Welcome to another bonus episode of Horse Heretics. I'm Neil McComb. I'm William Hepburn. William, how's it feeling? Feeling good. Uh, William and I have decided to uh, just ask each other a few questions that have occurred to us uh, as we've read the Horse Heresy series and just got uh, get each other's opinions on a number of different things. We've written some notes, perhaps for the first time ever. Um, William has given me uh, an, a pen with orange ink. You could have had a blue one. You could have had a lighter blue one. You could have had a sort of lime green one. But Yeah, like uh, an, uh, a girl from the 1950s writing a love note to Danny Zuko in Greece. I'm writing pens. in orange ink. Anyway, beautiful pens. Um, beautiful pens. Um, so, yes, uh, we thought it might be interesting... Will, mm. the floor is yours. Oh, so I'm doing the first question, right? Okay, so my first question was, um, which authors would you like to see writing for the Black Library? So I'll throw that one right this across to you. This is good. And Will will answer this for himself as well. Yeah, so I, will, yeah. I started off, will we do one each? Yeah, I may yeah. not have as many as you. Though, I've you got four. Yeah, I've got two. Okay, cool. Um, I thought, well, okay, first one, I think is just it's not really an out there one i just think it will be better as uh, so i've got margaret atwood yeah um she will do it she'll buy into the whole thing but she'll do it a hundred times better than any of the black library writers and that's not a diss on any of those writers she's just better than pretty much any author that's that, I think that's quite a good shout. And uh, on a similar line as someone I considered putting down, I didn't, is Cormac McCarthy because like oh god, it's so bleak. Because but like the the point the thing that reminds me about your Margaret Atwood choice and and him is like they're both people that have written things that like ostensibly fit into a sort of genre fiction mold. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of like a dystopian totally. future, different types of dystopian futures, right? But um, but they. But that broadsheet journalists won't call sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and partly that is a little bit annoying because I remember like watching the road and then reading the road and thinking this is really good, right? But it's basically yeah. your standard Mad Max scenario, right? For and real. like, and like, but he's sort of been credited as like by people who don't read or watch that kind of stuff as having come up with something a visionary. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like yeah. that annoyed me a little bit, but it is a really good book. I think it? I think Margaret Atwood has said in the face of like those kind of questions she's been like it's sci-fi yeah it is sci-fi it's really good sci-fi but it's only unusual to you because you haven't read sci-fi like she is fucking brilliant and she will um she will address issues and this i think we'll go on to uh, discuss this a little bit more she will address issues that we want addressed but that have traditionally been left to the yeah, side yeah no, no, I think it's a, good, it's a good pick for She's sure um, do you want me to do one or do you over to you so my one is kind of it's a little bit along similar lines but I suppose it's more conservative that than that and I was I'm just going to say Anne Leckie who has done uh, I've actually only read the, the first one of her series and I don't can't even remember what the name for the whole series is but the first one is Ancillary Justice and like I suppose it is marketed as a more kind of highbrow sci-fi it's definitely genre fiction it's in, yeah. it's in the sci-fi section no doubt oh no doubt yeah but but it is um it's about uh it's kind of it has similar themes in some ways to the horus heresy books it's about an em- a sort of intergalactic empire 
and a disruption within this empire and it, but it's a lot more about um a sort of ai and stuff like that but the, there are like real descriptions of the technology but not in the kind of fetishistic way that a lot of uh, black library books it's more it's more internal it's more about yeah. internal worlds of people and this ai character who's at the center of it anyway i thought like i thought she could probably do something really good i'd be it. really interested is that lecky scotch Lecky is a very Scottish, a Scottish name. name. I'm actually not sure. I'm okay, not sure. cool. The next choice I went for uh, was uh, Haruki Murakami. Okay. Uh, just because I think he would tell a completely different story than anybody that has written for Black Library before. Uh, and his the reason why I like his writing is that he goes into an insane amount of detail about things that don't matter <laughs> like about about just completely ephemeral stuff right but it's it, it's like the ephemeral is not ephemeral it is the subject and i would be interested to hear about that it would be the life of a servitor right you know right. it would be something like that uh, and exquisite detail ex- a huge amount of time dedicated to nothing Right and it it's it's so good it's so good even in translation like it's incredible I've actually I have never read a book by I've read a little bit of one but I've never read a full book by Hiroki Murakami so uh, happy to take any suggestions maybe not on this podcast but you know uh, uh, or yeah. on it if you want yeah you know? well I mean um, for a starter I would maybe say uh, Hardboiled Wonderland right um, but then to just up it the wind up bird chronicles uh or norwegian wood did i see the film of norwegian wood with you not me this no. would have been like 10 years ago no. no um i saw it in glasgow uh and it would have been around the same time you were living there fantastic okay those are the wrecks cool thank you last one over to you last one okay so um my uh next pick was going to be philip pullman um the reason that uh, his Dark Materials and Horus Heresy are both kind of riffing off uh, Paradise Lost and the story of like okay. fallen angels and all I, that. I haven't read any Philip Pullman. Oh really? No, I've, um, I've read Paradise Lost. I've, well, I've struggled through most of it. Um, you should read uh, his Dark Materials trilogy. Yeah. It's really good. Okay. Um, and uh, They're making a TV series, I think, of it at the minute. I think you're right yeah um and his but his uh he's big into like atheism and stuff yeah. like that and like obviously that is a movement militant atheism these days is a movement that can be associated with a lot of internet libertarian type arseholes like <laughs> yes but um but the sad case of the internet atheist is a ugh. But Philip Pullman seems like a legit dude. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, He's very big into his public libraries, so in my mind, he's a good man. Yeah, but anyway, like these books are, they are sort of bizarrely in a way. They are children's books, but they've got some really dark stuff, and there's like a real sense of, um, and you know, in the Black Library, we like dark, grim, dark shit. Yeah, readers of horror heresy. But anyway, he he likes. um, Sorry, the books have a real sense of like there's a statement being made, you know what I mean? Which is yeah. what you don't get in the... Well, that's it. I mean, like, 
his books prove that like you can you can write children's books and explore interesting issues absolutely like yeah whereas these books have it's just like unlimited grind that they could cover and they choose not to yeah. <laughs> yeah. which is a point that we will go into i think yeah uh, later on okay you had you have some more picks i've got two more uh, are you have you exhausted your your list i think i've done there's people floating in the fringes of my consciousness i can't remember the names of and stuff like that okay. so if anything comes if up, anything comes up in. so um my next two, I think, will be fairly quick. Uh, I wa- I've got P.G. Woodhouse. <laughs> okay, nice. Because um, he's one of my favourite authors. And we've gone on at length about the fucking lack of a sense of humour in these books. <laughs> and P.G. Woodhouse is the, f- the funniest writer in the world. Um, and his books are nothing but witty lines and uh, good-humoured... Uh, gentility I think and uh, I think a little bit of that would go a long way in the horse heresy the other one is Darren Anderson uh, oh Cities uh, guy yeah the uh, imaginary cities guy oh, he's, that's a, good pick. Yeah. he's a northern Irish writer um, he's Unaropolis on Twitter um, he's a architecture critic and I would be interested in his writing on these alien worlds and even on the architecture of the ships that the Astartes travel in and stuff like that. I would just, I, his writing's great. The subjects that he chooses are great. I uh, would really be interested in like a series of articles that he wrote on these imaginary uh, architecture scapes. That's a fantastic pick, like right out of left field. I wasn't even thinking like of it. a non-fiction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, big, which is actually, I was going to say, like, I was struggling to come up with authors because I was thinking everything I've read lately has either been history in relation to my work or other non-fiction books or just shite, basically, like the stuff that we read for the podcast. <laughs> and, like, so I, I was struggling to think of recent, like, you know, like, interesting authors that I'd read beyond the purely sort of... yeah genre fiction mode or non-fiction but I think that's a a great choice he's Um, like in my mind he is like a a fucking rock star I will read everything by him yeah Um, he's good he is good Um, so are we done with that any yeah I'm that's that's my list so you got your you got your first question yeah so um, one question that keeps on coming up to me and it, it it is sort of linked with uh, a previous bonus episode that we did and i haven't told william this question yet i'm just interested to get his take on this um if explain to me why chaos is attractive to the followers of chaos it's a good question and sometimes reading these books i think christ they were like there were a lot of space marines so ready to get to jump on board with chaos you know what I mean? yeah so fucking ready and like to varying degrees the books depict them like that there's you know been sort of simmering problems with them being like far away from the emperor seeming distant and yeah. none of that really seems enough to be like i want to be turned into a fucking decay monster you know what i mean <laughs> yeah exactly like, and when you are a decay monster what is stopping you from just going like 
oh, it was better than this. <laughs> like, yeah. like my arm's falling off. <laughs> there are constantly maggots emerging from different parts of my body. Like. Exactly. That my my the hole in my side has a little demon dancing in it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's that's not that's. It was better before this. <laughs> My, I just one hundred percent of the time, the twenty four seven. You're just like you go, you're brushing your teeth at night, and the demon is still dancing away, and you know you, you can't be in the height of like battle at all times, you know, like exactly. scaring your opponents and like you uh, just you can't be evil all the time. I mean, like you might, yeah, because you might appreciate that kind of thing when you're like, as you say, you're trying to freak out some, you know, um, yeah, give imperial it. troopers, you know what I mean? And you're yeah. like, but yeah. like, hey, little fella. Do the, do the funny dance that scares oh. the normies, but it like is there is there a real question there like is like, is that something that no it is no it is a good question like, in a way it ties back to our author question is like, this is just isn't really what like, either the the publishing house or the authors or the fans anything to do with it it's not really what the books are made for is which is a shame because that it's it's sort of a crucial central question to oh but it's kind of like let's get to the battle let's have the yeah carnage and it's um but there is like a sense of um even when they are like decaying beast monsters um that they think they are right yeah and that the Imperials are foolish and blinded, and you're like, is is that what this is? Is it like, oh, the world is awful and the only truth is entropy and murder and death and rebirth and life and death and rebirth? I'm like, that's. Do you remember, is right. that it? An interesting <laughs> example of this, and I don't want to. We're we're currently in terms of the timeline of our podcast. We're we're about to discuss the second half of Flight of the Eisenstein. <laughs> like I'm going to talk a bit about Grilgor, and I think you can probably anticipate what happens to me, even if you've not read it yet, right? Ignatius Grilgor. Yes. Do you, are you happy for me to spoil a little bit of the? Party? I'm almost certain I can tell you what happens to him by the name Ignatius Grilgor. And what do you think that would be? Turns into a warp animal. <laughs> Close. Close. Right. So he gets he becomes a big Nurgle chaos infested dude, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I've never seen any of them embrace it as wholeheartedly as he, he does, right? He just, yeah. He just glides straight into that. It's almost no change in his character. Love like, it, yeah. <laughs> and finally And he's criticizing Garrow, he's like, Garrow, you're so fucking conservative. This is obviously like straight arrow Garrow. You straight arrow Garrow. So this is obviously the way forward for us. You know what I mean? We like this gives us all these like powers and possibilities and it's like it's there's no sense of internal conflict whatsoever. It's like he was just offered this he was like, Great Yes Yes, I can be like me, but better, and with worms coming out of me. Full of maggots. Yeah, and like... My arm's falling off. I mean, the only decent explanation for it is that, like, you know, occasionally this point is sort of made where they look at, like, augmented people that they're thinking they should kill because they're alien abominations, and they're actually occasionally, very rarely, there's like a moment of reflection where they're like, well, actually, you could say that we are, you know, we're 
augment you know we're mutated or whatever yeah. augmented versions of mankind so you know are we is that just like us basically so like i suppose there's a, you could say there's a certain like twist of logic that could be written well to say that like people like you know turn into chaos is just seen as augmenting yourself further i guess to yeah uh, become even more perfect or whatever or even more of a super yeah human i don't know like it's, I mean, it's i have to like that if that was the case it's such a boring played out aspect of sci-fi that is like the the transhuman you know the yeah, yeah. the you know is a is somebody who's put a chip in their brain still human Yes. Is someone yes. who grows a horn out of their forehead still? Well, well, you've stumped me there. I was trying to be like, oh, this is really boring. This has been answered before. But no, no. The, the horn. I've got no answer to that, I'm afraid. Okay. Are we done with that topic? I, I, we put it to bed. I think it's something we're going to be needing to come back to in every one of these books virtually. So Because uh, none of them, they'll all raise it and all of them cowardly will not answer it. <laughs> okay, right. Um, I'm not quite sure the best word in this question, but... Well, you've written it down, so like read down, the words. But the way I've written it down is probably not the best wording of it, so I'll try and like... William's doing some like hand motions. I'm trying to interpret it in a conversation. He's forgotten he's on an audio podcast. (laughs) So, uh, if you were trying to introduce someone to the Horus Heresy books who had no background in this world, this fiction, or possibly even in like sci fi in general, wasn't a big reader of sci fi, how would you introduce it to them? Um, And then more broadly than that, is like, is it, do you even think this is is this worth something worth saying to people there's something of value here even if you don't enjoy like mm. sci-fi generally um, that's a very long-winded and shit question but um, well I mean I it's a good question I certainly core, agree I mean. with that um, <laughs> uh, you, you, the point that you raised rather unartfully um, is a good one um, I would start off I, with all of these questions and I would say I've got no interest in turning people on. Evangelizing? Turning people on to things that I like. I don't care. No, I no, no. I literally yeah. don't care. Me neither. But I mean, like, I suppose what I was getting at is sometimes, like, sometimes I might, like, you know, it might be a person that I know or someone that I speak to and I think, God, like, if they could just see the sort of, like, we, I yeah. feel like, like, we enjoy books in a, these books in a similar way, me and you, right? But yeah. there might be people that also really enjoy these books but do not enjoy them in the way that we enjoy them, right? But, like, I... What I, what I thought of when um, I thought of this question, because the thing that arose in my mind immediately was, like, uh, I don't need my friends to like the things no, no. that I like. No, no. But what the way I thought of it was, like, if they saw some of these books in my bookshelves and were, like... What are these? The the covers look really shit. Um, are they shit books? And I'd be like, no, no. And I, then I would explain why I like. But yeah. Um, and the reasons that I would come up with would be like, their descriptions of alien places are genuinely alien, and 
unusual for that reason, and I really like them for that. Yeah. Um, I think uh, they're like genuinely they're weird because there is no good guy, and for as um, it can be a struggle reading books like that, where where you're just like. I am searching so hard for a reason to care about any of these people. But it's almost not about that. Like, it's not about finding somebody to cheer for and wave a flag for. You're almost a little bit divorced from that and you're just reading it as as it is. Uh, there's a sort of purity to that almost uh, that I find. And also for these books, it's helped me like sharpen my the tools i have for evaluating why something is unsatisfying <laughs> do you know what i mean I, I again that sounds more um derogatory than i mean it to but just like we were saying like why why is chaos attractive to people and i i find often i'm asking myself like i don't know why that person has turned to chaos like uh, i find that sort of that sense of being unhappy with a bit of a story, it's useful to interrogate that. And I've sort of taken that to other other books and stuff. What about you? Um, yeah, no, I totally take your point. I, I have no interest in evangelizing about these books and getting people to read them. I suppose I more just think, like, there might, like I say, there might be a situation where I think, well, this person actually might, you know, might be something they would enjoy, you know, and... and, and um, but that's but it's like like we do a podcast and we have said we would like people to read these books yeah. but I think people have taken the first step in listening to one of these yeah. podcasts and they're almost like saying oh I think I'm probably with you yeah. in this and then I'm talking to them but, but in, a, in a way this question for me anyway does kind of get to the heart of what the point of our podcast right like it's sort of like it's about yeah, saying I like, gotta hear this. I, I don't know what it is yet, <laughs> to be honest. But um it's about like how how would I why do I enjoy these? Why do I think there's like sort of extra enjoyment to be had from the discussion of them and the mm. exploring of like stuff in them? But like the number one reason I would give for why I'd recommend to them is just like the sheer overblown like like there's a lot of dystopian fiction out there, but this is really something else. You know, what yeah. I mean? uh, uh, a far future that is entirely war with like superhuman warriors who some of whom have turned to worship these like Lovecraftian. But and then you've got all the alien. It's just so grim and so over the top that it reminds me of 2000 AD. Sometimes the sort of the style of it, and I don't know if it's a kind of British sci-fi sensibility or something. Yeah. Uh, uh, I like, can see that, like the almost the art style rather than the style of reading those mm. things, because those books are like, especially Judge Dredd or something in those books, it's really ugly. <laughs> like, there's so much going on in those panels. I love them, and I love Judge Dredd. I art don't <laughs> like. I I think I bought those uh, collected versions. Yeah, and I bought like three or four volumes at once on your say so. I think. And like I, th- there are probably loads of stories within those that I would like, but 
I find them like oppressive. Like there's just so <laughs> that, much. That's kind of like that sort of works though, like, right? It's Mega City One, right? It's it is oppressive, mm. you know, and like similar with uh, the Warhammer Forty K universe, that should feel oppressive. Yeah. Um, if it's been done right, you know, like um, a world, a future where there's just like there's no there's just total misery like really like yeah. there's no and that doesn't sound fun to read at all no <laughs> but, yeah, but um but it somehow is um anyway so because it's just like it's like you say it's not really a misery you can relate to it's somehow external <laughs> always and it's yeah. just it's like a thought experiment kind of isn't it it's <laughs> like um but anyway yes uh right like, your question then i have a question give me some themes that you would like to be explored in the Warhammer 40k universe that have been mentioned in in the past books that we've read but haven't been developed okay I can give you one right off the top of my head it's like I mentioned this on one or two of the podcasts that there's like this realization among some followers of the Imperium usually not the Space Marines actually themselves but that, that the sight of like if you're a one of these planets has been encountered by the Great Crusade and suddenly, you know, these warriors descend and absolutely start destroying your entire civilization. Like, I mean, usually that's after... Sorry, I was going to say usually that's after some negotiation, but that's only if you're a human. Yeah. Really, there might be negotiation. For other alien species, it would just be instant assault and destruction, right? They, yeah, they may think the exact same thing, but they don't get any kind of yeah, communication. Yeah, there's a couple of descriptions that do quite well to like actually imagine the terror of like seeing these yeah these uh, troops like in the last book I think there was a, a particularly good yeah a good uh, description of that yeah yeah I think you're right and like um, the last book being false gods at this point are you y- yes that's a okay. good yeah <laughs> thank you for pointing that out on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, I think something that explored that a bit, a little bit more. I'd quite like to see almost like, and maybe this has been done. I haven't like read the short stories and stuff in the series yet, but like a short story maybe from the point of view of like one of these alien civilizations that was encountered in the Great Crusade and what it looked like seeing them. I'd love that. That would work so well in like a collected version of short stories. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the points of view from different alien species as they are wiped out or. Give me, yeah, give me a day in the life of an alien, the day before. Like normal day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And then that's the ending. It's like this scene of absolute apocalyptic carnage is unfolding. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, A few of the things that I I thought I want a bit more information on. Why is the emperor a human, but yet more powerful than a god? Like, how, how did that happen? Was he born that way? Is that just a mutation? What? Good question. I uh, I want I want an answer to that. There was a you may have noticed a, a brief blip there in the fucking smoothness that has been this podcast. <laughs> uh, it was uh, William's PC going to sleep. I thought yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but no, it's still recording. It's still recording. Another thing from book one, podcast one very first thing almost the very first thing that i said but whatever it was it was erudite (laughs) it was sharp and i want to revisit the point that i made 
But you didn't answer, William, and uh, I think I'm giving <laughs> you first another podcast. I'm giving you another chance. Okay, let's to sort it. of redeem yourself in front of me. Okay, and, in front of and the, the listeners. Yeah, but most of all, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's hear it. Can you redeem yourself to yourself? That's the question. I'm ready to try. Anyway, no, I just want to say that's not really that. Um, <laughs> what I want is a story. Of the remembrancers. Almost, actually, this was the thing that I wanted most, but I want your short stories now. I want the day in the life of the alien species before it's wiped out. That's better than this, but this is still good. The remembrancers are like a a multidisciplinary group of historians. They are recording the same thing in music, poetry, songs, sculpture, architecture, all of that. I want to know I want to know their stories. I want to know their setup as they record this historical moment. And then I want that exhibition. You see, yeah. I want to experience that exhibition in that sort of multidisciplinary multidisciplinary uh thing. So yeah, I basically agree with that, right? But like, I would say there is quite a lot of coverage of the remembrances in the first three books, but it's quite rubbish. Like in most of it, so this is like totally bland caricatures of like carousing. Oh, <laughs> no, no, I will not. I will not have that. Those caricatures are brilliant caricatures. You take that back. What you said about those caricatures. I'm sorry, but what I'm saying is maybe at least in addition to those characters of the carousing you know morally those are feet poets <laughs> what's the line the ink fingered uh... oh yeah yeah what's the other part of that line again I the salon, salon intellectuals Sol- or yeah the ink 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 stained fingers salon intellectuals or yeah something. something like that but like beautiful um... that's a, that is a good piece of writing <laughs> um but the uh no i think that's a really cool idea like what in practice like because it's not none of it's really dealt with to a serious level. It's just this sort of total caricature of the artist. You know what I mean? In society, yeah. right? But to actually think about like how that's, that's something that I hadn't written down. But I, I what I want to bring up now is why why does everyone hear bureaucrats? They fucking hate like, them. Like what the fuck? Like oh, we've we've given over. <laughs> This beautiful empire to these bureaucrats who don't deserve anything. There, you're just like, give these civil servants a break. <laughs> I am a fucking civil servant. I'm one of these bureaucrats. I'm running your country. <laughs> and a lot. Oh, we're talking about this. It's a, it's just like, yeah, like it's, it certainly has parallels with like Brexit chat, like of like yeah. Brussels bureaucrats. Uh, we we want to be swashbuckling, <laughs> uh, but um, well, obviously it's written a long time before that. I'm not saying that as anything, but uh, it's also like alongside that and sort of related is like it always staggers and amuses me the like sheer like aggressive ignorance of the space race. You're like, don't tell me about the aliens we're going to destroy. I just want to kill them. I don't want to know anything about them. <laughs> yeah, if. It- if somebody is like reading about the 
biology of the <laughs> alien that you're going to kill that you've never seen before. You're like, oh, you fucking nerd. <laughs> you fucking nerd. As he sharpens his sword on it, like, as he, like, shaving with his combat knife or something. I know. They're, like, leaning over the nerd's shoulder. Does it say, can resist bolt or shell? <laughs> no, it doesn't. So what the fuck else do we need to know? <laughs> I've got my bolter. I've got I've got these mass reactive rhymes. Can they stand up to that? I don't think so. I doubt it, man. I don't think I don't think your your book learning can tell me that. <laughs> so, so they just revel in it. They revel in it and like so much so much so that I'm just wondering like, do these authors think like these Dan Abner is a very well read man like is he going you can read too many books you know you, you, you can these are men of action these are this is for real it's like, I don't I don't get it I don't get it anyway over to you where are we right so okay cool that was good um, I don't know how well this is going to work right because Neil's informed me that he doesn't watch the great British Bake Off um, I don't know how many listeners will have will watch The Great British Bake Off, but it's not that hard of a concept to understand. It's a programme in which contestants go to bake things, and they're given briefs of what they're supposed to bake in this episode, and they each do their own interpretation of that, and they get rated on that, and then one of them gets voted off each round, and eventually one of them wins it. Okay, so Fascinating. It's going to get a lot more fascinating, you know, right about now. Right, so, great... great so, the, on the Great British Bake Off, you're on the Great British Bake Off. The challenge is to break a Primark cake. What do you do? Fucking hell. Jesus Christ. How do we think? <laughs> that is such a fucking weird question. It makes me think that you have an answer that you've just been like desperate. Des- desperate to say I actually don't I've got a Primark game how, <laughs> how can I like set up my own answer oh, to my your own question your birthday's coming up now. <laughs> I'm gonna get all your friends around to I've got a special pre- special surprise for Neil he's gonna love it uh, tell me your answer Anna. I actually don't generally don't have an answer but I'm gonna spitball one up right now please so like well right so I know I, I've seen a a recipe book based on like doing like horror themed cakes kind of thing for like Halloween right so like having like disgusting things made out of like marzipan or whatever coming out of the cake so I reckon you could do a pretty awesome like Nurgle influenced cake maybe like a Mortarian job I don't know what it looks like when it's fully chaosed up but like you could maybe um, I mean he is like the Grim Reaper, I know it would be quite a striking. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking, would you go? Would you just do a sort of two D flat relief sort of of the Primark, or would you try something a little bit more sophisticated? Try a three D sort of standing cake, yeah. you know, uh, which might be more impressive if you could pull it off. It probably technically way more demanding, you know. Uh, um, I am making the cake, or am I just envisioning the cake? Well. Take the question however you want, Neil. Take it on its... I can make a really good lemon drizzle cake. <laughs> so... Which Primarks are yellow, you know? I mean, I don't know. Uh, uh, Rugal Dorn? Yes. There you go. That's my answer. There's your answer. A beautiful lemon, <laughs> lemon drizzle, drizzle cake. Rugal because it'll cake. taste. 
tastes good. It'll taste good. And people that don't want to buy into the Primark theme, they can be like, well, it's a nice it's cake. It's a nice lemon drizzle cake. <laughs> Everyone loves a bit of citrus. Or you're also okay. not a Bake Off fan, so it yeah. didn't work for you that well. That no, one. I think we'll cut that out. <laughs> no, no. I'm, if I'm editing this motherfucker, <laughs> that is staying right in. It's probably going to be released in mid-Bake Off season, and this is going to... This shit's... Rocket right to the top of the charts. <laughs> Those algorithms will pick out that. Matt, the final question... Do you have any more questions, Will? No, I'm done. We're going to wrap it up with a biggie. Right. Okay. going to ask it. It's a biggie. Let's hear it. It's huge. Let's hear it. We all know that there are douchebag right-wing alt-right dickholes who have used memes of uh, the emperor superimposed with Donald Trump's shithead face on it um, as a sort of, I don't know, an alt-right message of the, that the Imperium is something of value. Are these books uh, a secret fascist plant? Okay. Is there an agenda going on that fascism is good? Short answer, no. But uh, Flesh that out for us a little bit, William. Um, but, no, it's an interesting example of like, I mean, there's a lot of, um, the whole, I, I don't, know much about it other than what I read in newspaper articles and stuff online but like the alt-right kind of culture of like this sort of everything's constantly a joke as well as it also is leading to it seems to me that's what's at play in like the adoption of the emperor you know what I mean mm. as like there's obviously some sort of irony or like it's not like I don't think people are literally saying you know you know we wholeheartedly worship the emperor and we correlate him with Donald Trump and we worship him you know like even in the way they support Donald Trump there's a kind of like winking and you know you know what I mean it's like we know he they know they treat him as like the vehicle for like yeah their ideas and like the whole thing is like born out of a I mean like I say I'm not I'm not speaking this from this from a point of view of someone who's done any like research or like proper analysis in this other than just read what other people have written but you know like um, there's and they do talk about that how people go from like um, sort of making jokes I think you know wanting to make jokes about shit into actually you know being yeah like, and the two of those things become sort of completely uh, intertwined and I think you know there's sort of a record you know and a lot of like the, this sort of alt-right Gamergate culture is about like them sort of celebrating their like nerd credentials credentials and, and stuff like that and like uh so obviously Warhammer and stuff could very much fit in with that and like but, sort of but take away the Donald Trump reference yeah and we're just talking uh, a series of books that glorify violence uh, in uh, for the purpose of perpetuating a fascist regime but they, they don't glorify the fascist regime they I mean they, I mean there's a difference between what the protagonists of the book are glorifying and what the what is being glorified for the reader of the book and violence is absolutely um treated as a form of great entertain- <laughs> entertainment in the books it's like, very entertaining like as in the you know they're they are as have been de- they have been described by other people as bolter porn because uh, like it's 
it's just detailed descriptions of like these crazy battles and stuff like that but like I think the 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 sort of fascist element of the of the the world being depicted is absolutely an under underexplored the potential of it as a kind of statement or as a satire or as any sort of political commentary is at least in the books we're reading yeah. pretty much entirely unexplored right it's treated as if it is no this is just a different world it's not you know it's nothing to do with our world it's uh, um, I, I and i guess that might be my point is that the, the very fact that something so huge is underexplored is almost a silent recognition no, of its value i no 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 i like i think there's a definitely a fair point to be made that like it leaves a lot of space for people you know what i mean like to to fill that vacuum with their own yeah shit as all like as all um as often is the case when people protest about oh there shouldn't be politics in this you know we want it to be apolitical and that's often an argument of like um that's just an argument of stupid people yes but like yeah absolutely but often like can become mingled with like people who are actually defending the far right and um don't want their bad politics to be, to be discussed essentially <laughs> yeah. you know and like um but the the, the fascist i mean there it isn't predicted as a it isn't uh, depicted as a good thing this like uh, practice you know if, if there's any sort of moral core that the, the writers are associating with themselves in these books it's the books it's the remembrancers and those kinds of people like carol sinderman and and whatnot who are he's not a remembrancer but you know he kind of is in the same category broadly speaking as a human non-astartes character and they are critical of um, I don't know how this all plays out in terms of like you know obviously they're worshipping the emperor going down that line but there's like bits in recent books where he's really Carol Sinderman's really critical about what they've been doing in the Great Crusade and he kind of talks about you know, like what we mentioned in this discussion earlier on how terrifying it would have been to these other civilizations to see these instruments of destruction descend upon their world so like but the, but that only sort of makes me feel like um he is sort of seen the light in that he, he is advocating not for peaceful coexistence or any kind of coexistence he is still for um colonialism like he, oh, he yeah. he's still for destroying the aliens' natural culture. So the end point is the same. We just disagree on the means. But no, but, but I, 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 and and it's almost betrayed. Like his conversion is something of value. His conversion is like, yes, there is, uh, there are still some good human beings around. When in fact you're just like, no, I disagree with him almost as much. Not quite as much as uh, the Astartes who just want to kill everyone. He, at least he doesn't want to do that. But it, it, it's not more valuable. Like, it's he has got nothing to tell us. But I do think, like, I don't know, as I say, I don't know how this plays out, but I do think, like, there seems to be a total reframing of the way that the Empire might operate in this ideal future world they're looking towards. But that's kind of getting off topic anyway, a little bit, like, uh, because... Um, but no, you're right. Like in in the situation as we've seen it up till now, there's kind of like, you know, as is depicted in one of these short stories I talked about, there's like a sort of quote unquote like peaceful sort of 
um, approach that they take where like they, they try not to go mm-hmm. in and get into fights if they can avoid it um, and that apparently was what Horus and stuff were doing at the start of the Great Crusade but then it's become much more like casually warlike as it is by the time these books pick up and like both of those things are very bad obviously anything that isn't just jumping on planets and completely wiping out the whole civilization is is a bit better than that but still can be a very bad thing and like but I suppose that that is again it's definitely related to your question but it's a slight connected but slightly different topic about imperialism and um, colonialism and stuff like that rather than like fascism directly mm. um, basically I, I can absolutely see how like many things there's potential for it to be adopted there's a difference between advocating for something and not advocating for the opposite if you see what I mean it's uh, they what I would like these books to be would be far clearer to say the humans are the bad guys yeah I mean there's obviously a commercial aspect to this right where they kind of need the space marines to be good guys who people want to see as heroes at least in some contexts or to to play as and they never really go down the line of like proper like satire or like completely dystopian like they are sort of simultaneously they have in the background this notion that they are the sort of brutal weapons of a sort of fascistic um, regime but at the same time they are the heroes of the narrative you know and and the closest to a sort of the you know if there is a protagonist of the protagonist um, faction of the Warhammer 40,000 world it would be the space marines you know they're the they're the sort of headline thing that's associated mm-hmm. with it um, so I, I just don't think they don't quite know and where to go with that I think it might have been more satirical early doors I, I don't know for sure but like early on when this fiction was yeah. created I think it might have had a more of a satirical intent and now comes through and I think it might have been closer to what we talk about yeah. when we're talking about Judge Dredd and stuff yeah you know? yeah yeah totally and um they they find that it there was a a real capitalist a capitalist nature and they were just like oh we're, we can make money off of this yeah, let's, yeah. let's scrub all that away and uh, and just make money off of it but but that in itself is a problem because I think we're we're all um, predisposed or or just kind of hmm we're all because we grew up in this capitalist society that we're in, it's sort of in the water that we understand that the heroes of these books that sell things or of films that sell, the protagonists of these things are the heroes. And that these books are sold to us, we buy them, and the main protagonists are the space marines. And I think there is something ingrained in all of us that was just like, okay, they... These are the the main subjects. They are the heroes, and there is a problem in that because they aren't in any way heroic, and they stand for everything that is bad. <laughs> so, but right to make a like a wrestling comparison, right? That like a lot of people argue that John Cena should have turned heel a long time ago, right? 
and that would have made I'm sure for a, a fascinating storyline in wrestling um, but they'll never do that because John Cena sells the most merch as as a good guy and like I think like as interesting I think that's sort of related to like the Space Marines have obviously become a, a thing that people for a lot of people just like think oh these are cool badass guys that kick the fuck out of a bunch of aliens you know yeah. and there's doesn't go beyond that it's just like the sort of meathead space marine that you see perpetuated in hundreds of video games you yeah. know like um, but and in the background of that I think the setting maybe at least for some of its creators was written with more of a satirical intent than that but um, it's got all a bit mixed up and yeah but like I, I wonder like but yes yeah, so they're the money driver so they will always be the heroes but they surely there's a problem in in that that they are the heroes and they're bad they're terrible it's it's troublesome um i don't think there's a good answer i certainly don't understand uh a wrestling comment after sort of 1991 (laughs) so uh i don't get that Uh, i know who john cena is uh, but I thought he was a heel because everyone hated him. It's it's complicated. It's complicated. Too too complicated for me. But small kids like him anyway. So and that's I think where a lot of small the, kids don't like him. No, they do like him. They do it's like, like him. The, the smart older wrestling fans who don't like him. But now I think it's become cool to like him just because everyone didn't like him. It's very. I haven't. And also, I haven't paid attention for a long time. So who knows where it's at now? Mm, but this was the no, last thing. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, that was the last question. As a, as a final point on that like I think I can't remember how you originally framed this question but I think it was something about fascists where, but I know I know it was about fascists but was, were they written with fascist intent or something like uh, that was there a secret fascist agenda I think if we if either of us really believed that we would not be doing this podcast yes <laughs> but, it's, the, but it's a but, good discussion but, but, to because have. there is no agenda yeah yeah. No, it, but, it, but I think thing. it's an absolute valid discussion to have and I think it applies to culture much more broadly that certainly ties into the Gamergate debate where like you know companies are always trying to don't want any poli- they want the kind of the benefit of the sort of edginess of a pseudo political situation but without any of the actual like legwork that, that, thought that should <laughs> yeah. go into that and, and actually taking you know some ownership of some some sort of some saying something about politics if you're going to have a political setting and but, but it's often commercial reasons as well they don't want to alienate potential customers and stupid shit like that especially yeah anyway but that yeah i think it's a, an important discussion and it is an interesting thing because it's like yeah anyway rambling End of rambling discussion. rambling rambling um so if you enjoyed this, uh, tell people about the podcast. It's the best way to spread the the podcast to other people is word of mouth. You can subscribe to us on all the normal podcast apps. And uh, our email address is horseheretics at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. I've been Neil McComb. I'm William Hepburn. See ya. Bye.